Amen, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Uh, we're going to continue on with our series tonight, uh, Enemies of the Heart. Enemies of the Heart. And just to give you a little bit of a, a uh, background on what we've been discussing, uh, we have identified uh, two enemies of the heart, the first being the enemy of guilt and the second being anger, uh, guilt and anger. Uh, uh, anger can have with it uh, its close cousins of hurt and uh, hate and malice. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, guilt has with it its close cousins of shame and condemnation and humiliation. Uh, and these things are enemies to your heart. You do know there's an invisible battle going on uh, for your uh, inner man. And, uh, and so the, the scripture describes that. The apostle Peter says this to the uh, Jewish uh, people in his New Testament writings when he says to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. No greater reason to abstain from fleshly lusts than that. To know that they war against the soul. Uh, you don't need to fraternize with the enemy. And so while it might appeal to your flesh, crucify the flesh with Christ and abstain from fleshly lusts. And so guilt uh, is an enemy of the heart. And the symptom of this guilt is the mentality that... That I owe you. Everybody say, I owe you. It's this constant living uh, of coming up short. Never ever being content. Never ever being in a place of feeling like you have been justified and, uh, and fulfilled in Christ. But that you are, you are living in a position of guilt and shame and condemnation. And that you're never able to satisfy that. So you live in this mentality of, of owing everybody around you something. A debt you and I cannot pay. But thank God the blood of Jesus covers that debt. So we then do not stand guilty because we repent of our sins. Are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I want to... Uh, point out that the that the cure for guilt and the cure for the mentality of I owe you is the matter of confession and repentance just be open with with where you are in in your life and in God and if you have sin then lay that out before the Lord and you don't have to run from it if you're in the wrong be open about it you, there's nothing there's no there's nothing to hide just say this hey when we're talking about the church, the body of Christ, this is a forgiving entity. And if there are folks within the body of Christ who have trouble forgiving, that's on them. But the body of Christ is a forgiving entity. In fact, it was the body of Christ that bled, suffered, and died for us. So this is a safe place in which a person can say, look, I have, I have something in my spirit, I must confess and must bring out. And, uh, and then, you know, there are consequences to that. But forgiveness still can abound even in light of consequences. But trust God with consequences. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, feel like you will be overwhelmed by, by uh, the consequences of your sin when Jesus is in the picture. Jesus can make things turn out for the good when you had no idea how he was going to do it. So the cure for guilt, the IOU mentality, is the, uh, the matter of confession, repentance. Uh, anger is a mentality of you owe me. You did something to me and now you owe me. And the problem with anger and hurt uh, and those matters of you owe me something is uh, that that this too is a debt the individual cannot pay. It, there's not a currency in this world that exists uh, that, that can pay this. It is a price too high for an individual to be able to pay. They can treat you nicer. They can treat you better. 
But there's nothing they can do that will go back in time and change what they did to you. So it is a vain feeling to remain in the mentality of you owe me something. And so you, you must address anger and hurt uh, and the you owe me mentality with the action of forgiveness. And forgiveness is not so much an emotion. If you're waiting for the emotion to come, you'll be waiting for a long time. It starts as a mere decision to forgive an individual. And you do so on the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not on the merits of the person. You don't do it on the merits of whether they are uh, changed or whether or not they uh, are truly remorseful or, or on the merits of whether or not they are, uh, whether or not you can reconcile your mind to what it is that happened. You do so on the merits that the blood of Jesus forgave you of your sins and you forgive those who have sinned against you. Praise the Lord. But we're talking tonight about a third enemy of the heart and we're, we're approaching these topics from the excellent book, Enemies of the Heart by Andy Stanley. I want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, we're, we're looking into some other areas, but, but the principles brought out are from this wonderful book that was a blessing to me, and I think it would be a blessing to you. Uh, and, uh, and so the third enemy of the heart that we're addressing is the enemy of greed. Greed, guilt, anger, and greed. And I know that many times we don't really consider ourselves as being greedy, just like we don't really consider ourselves as being proud. Uh, but many times we are these things when we least expect it to be so. Uh, but we're going to talk about greed and, and the, the fact that greed is an enemy of the heart, and it's very cleverly disguised. You have to know that these enemies of the heart hide behind uh, facades of goodness. Uh, and so greed is one of, the, uh, one of the more subtle enemies of the heart because it has a very clever uh, camouflage behind which to hide. And that camouflage involves the fact that we work hard and we earn what we work for. And that is a noble principle. But it's important that we don't let greed get into our heart because when greed gets into our heart, then greed will begin to try to distort that principle and take advantage of that noble principle. So we're going to begin from the book of Acts and the uh, 20th chapter, the 35th verse. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to read to you from this verse of Scripture. It's deep into the book of Acts, uh, long after Jesus had... Uh, been crucified, was buried, and raised from the dead, and ascended on high, and poured out his spirit. And the apostles have, have now uh, well evangelized uh, much of their world. But here we have uh, Paul hearkening back to the words of the Lord Jesus. So right here in the, in the deep of the book of Acts, we see red letters show up in, in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. It's always comforting in your Bible when you come across red letters. Amen. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. I have showed you all things. <coughs> How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now let's just approach this from a purely logical standpoint. This case, as with many cases in the scriptures, simply makes no sense. No earthly sense. And the Bible warns us that the wisdom of God would be foolishness to the world and that, that the uh, foolishness and, and, and that the a foolishness of God would be greater than the wisdom of this world. And so this is a case in point. It simply doesn't make any sense. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So there's more of a blessing. You're telling me I'm going to be more blessed to give somebody a $100 bill than for somebody uh, to give me a $100 bill? 
I'm gonna give, I, if, if I give them a $100 bill when they're in need, I'm more blessed than when somebody gives me a $100 bill when I'm in need? I would beg to differ. It just doesn't make any sense because we're looking at it through carnal eyes. But the reason that you are more blessed to give than you are to receive is that when you receive a blessing from an individual, the Lord moves on them, and they are moved to bless you. They give you a blessing. As that blessing is transferred, you are the receiver and they are the giver. As that transaction occurs, they're even more blessed than you are. Because you are receiving a blessing from their resources, but they're going to receive a blessing from God's resources. And God's resources are so much more plentiful, so much more potent. They are, they are resources that never fade away. They do not depreciate. They only grow with eternal value. And so it is truly more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. So let's go into this uh, lesson tonight with that as a premise upon which to approach this matter of greed. That when I give, I am more blessed than when I receive. Now I have received blessings and, and I think we could go around this room and talk about the times that God has blessed us. One of my favorite uh, examples in my own life was a time in which I prayed a specific prayer to the Lord. And I was by myself praying the prayer. No way anybody heard me praying the prayer. I don't even know if I uttered the words. If anything, it was, it was kind of a whisper. But it was, I was saying, Lord, we need some assistance and I gave the Lord a figure that I needed. I told him a number that I needed. And I said, this is what I need. So, whatever you can do to help me out, I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And I went on doing what, what the Lord had called me to do that day. I will never forget finding an envelope with my name on it with the exact figure in cash. And it was an odd figure. It, was, it wasn't a rounded number. And, and, and it was in cash in an envelope. And I, to this day, don't know who did it. I know where it came from. I just don't know who was the vessel. I just don't know who the vessel was. Because whoever it was had heard directly from the Lord a, a figure that I had prayed to God without anyone knowing. And, and it came to me in such a remarkable and miraculous way. And that's how the Lord works. The Lord will bless you and you will be a recipient of his blessings. But there is a greater blessing in giving. So if you think that kind of a blessing is is a, a wonderful blessing, then, then wait till you are able to enjoy the pleasure of giving and you will experience even more of a blessing because God opens the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. And he'll move upon people and he will create miraculous circumstances. Miraculous circumstances. I, I, I was... I was, uh, you know, you, when you read the scriptures, you see clearly the Lord moving and making uh, miraculous circumstances to take place. For instance, he told Elijah that the brook was there to, to be a source of survival for Elijah. And while Elijah is surviving on the brook, the brook dries up. Anybody ever been in a situation where the brook dries up? And you're like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. That wasn't part of the... 15-year plan, and, and then the brook dries up, and the Lord says, don't worry, because I have commanded a widow woman to take care of you. And Elijah gets up and goes to the widow woman, 
And when he gets to the widow at Zarephath, he says, I think the Lord had a little conversation with you. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. The command didn't come verbally or audibly, but, but the Lord commanded in his way for this woman to take care of Elijah. And Elijah knew the commandment of the Lord was already uh, administered. So he said to her, whatever you have left, I want you to give that to me. Now that might sound like a selfish preacher to this world, but he understood the principle. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. He was teaching her how to experience the blessing of the Lord. And she gave that last bit of oil to the prophet Elijah. And when she did, the oil that she thought she would have no more of, the scripture teaches us the oil stayed. She would pour, That means, ladies and gentlemen, she would pour it out and it would still be there. And when she needed more, she'd pour that out and, and it would still be there. Because the blessing of the Lord was upon her. God had commanded her to look after the prophet Elijah. When the prophet Elijah was in need later, the Bible says that the Lord commanded the ravens to feed him. The Lord works in mysterious ways. And he creates miraculous circumstances. This is the foundation upon which the born-again believer trusts in God and resists greed as an enemy of the heart. So we're going to look at greed. Greed is such a deceptive force, and, and the Scripture deals with it in, in a variety of ways. I want to say this mentality of greed as guilt is represented in the idea of I owe you and anger is represented in the idea of you owe me greed is represented in the idea of I owe me I owe me I mean we literally use those words I owe it to myself to go to Grater's ice cream today this Weight Watchers principality and power has been attacking me come against this ungodly diet New Year's resolution that the devil tricked me into buying into and so now I owe it to myself to go to Aglamesis I really do owe it to myself to go to Aglamesis I just I just felt a, I just felt a witness in the in the house I owe it to me. I owe me will get you and I into so much trouble. Financial trouble, spiritual trouble. These enemies all work together. You know, they're like the Axis powers. They, they, they work in conjunction with one another to attack your soul, attack your heart. And so anger will feed greed. You know, if you, if you go through a, a, a long period of, of, of trauma in life, it has a way of deceiving you into thinking you're justified. You're justified to feel hurt. You're justified to feel betrayed. And you're justified to maybe engage in your own works of the flesh. You know, David... Uh, had this mentality when he committed the awful sin of adultery with Bathsheba and then murder of Uriah. You know, David's life had not been pleasant. David spent years as a fugitive while he was anointed to be king. He was deprived of his rightful place on the throne of Israel for years. And he was relegated to a cave with misfits while while Saul was being unreasonable and irrational and, and psychopathic and, and, and making every effort to kill King David, and David is running for his life as a fugitive, had everything taken from him, had his wife taken from him, had his, had his position in the kingdom taken from him, had his reputation destroyed. He's listed as enemy of the state number one. And so he... He had to cope with these feelings. Many of these psalms, beautiful psalms, came from the, from the heart of David when David was trying to reconcile his own thoughts concerning 
what do I do? What do I do in a position when I when, when I'm in the position of having been deprived of everything I rightfully should have? So when David does come out of his fugitive state and he does enter into his rightful role as as king of Israel, sitting on the throne of Israel, and as David walks into that destined position that God anointed him to to uh, to obtain and to maintain. David enters into a frame of mind that was unhealthy when you go deeper into the book of 2 Samuel. And you see that he decided one day he didn't really need to go down to the battlefield anymore. You be careful when, when you don't, it's not necessary that you engage in battle any longer. You be careful when you don't need to pray anymore. My goodness, I've prayed so much, I've worshipped so much, I've... You don't know how many sermons I've heard, how many songs I've heard. Yeah, and you need to hear another one, evidently. <laughs> Amen. And David is up in his palace saying, I don't need to go down into the, into the battle. And, and that idle mind became a devil's workshop. And he felt like he owed it to himself to engage in sinful activity. You be careful what you consider as being something that you should indulge in because of what you've been through. That's greed. It's greed. It's, it's not just lust. It's not just, uh, it's not just idolatry. It's not just adultery. It's not just, it's greed. It's you believing that you owe yourself something. Because you've earned, in your mind, you've earned something. And so now you owe to yourself this particular indulgence. And it's greed. It's an enemy of your heart. And it will, it will wreak havoc in your mind. It will wreak havoc in your home. It will wreak havoc in your spirit. And, and you want to avoid it at all costs. This is true spiritually. And this is true uh, financially. And we're going to look uh, at the matter of, of finances. Luke chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read one of the great parables of the scriptures. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. He said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Beware of it. Beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. Now he's got a, he's got a challenge here. He's having to come to, him, to, to himself and think, What am I going to do? He thought within himself, I have more than I need. And I have more than I expected. And I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and I will build greater barns. And there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Now this, I want to point out something. When we say it is more blessed to give than to receive, I want to bring our minds back to that. Because we lay at the foundation of this lesson the, men the mentality, the belief, the principle that it is more blessed to give because we are receiving the resources of God. God is the source of our strength. God is the source of our joy. God is the source of our life. Now, God truly can say, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. God, God truly, he really can say that. Because it's true in both ways. And who's going to call him to account? God can do that because God is in fact our creator and our trust is solely in him. And so this man makes an assumption. The assumption that he makes is that he has many years 
to enjoy his goods. Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this is what greed will do. Greed will say, oh, I've got extra coming in. So when I have extra coming in, I know what to do with the extra. I will hoard the extra. I'll protect the extra, put it aside, and that way my soul can take its ease, eat, drink, be merry, and I'll have much goods for many years. That's what greed will do. Now, I know, I know it's... I know that the, the first thought that comes to me as I'm saying this is, well, are we not supposed to plan? Are we not supposed to prepare? Are we not supposed to be prepared for the future? Are we not supposed to have some nest eggs set, set aside? Are we not supposed to have means by which to provide maybe when we're not as capable of working later in life? Of course you are, but you trust God for that. So now let me explain that, what that means and how that works. When the extra comes, you say unto the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do with the extra? And the Lord gives you direction on how to handle the blessings that he brings into your life. And here's what you find out when you do make the Lord acknowledged in all your ways. See, we don't just trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding, but we acknowledge him in all our ways. So when we say, Lord, I've got, some, I've got some stuff here that you blessed me with. I don't know what to do with it. Is there anything, anywhere you would have me to use this? And the Lord says, yeah, actually. Uh, there's a missionary that's uh, in need, and they're, they're in need of some extra funding for whatever the project is, whatever the mission is, and so... You could just help them out. That'd be a blessing. And since you did that, I'm going to give everything you gave to them back to you. And more. And it's going to come from directions you didn't even realize it could come. I'm not telling you not to plan for the future. I'm not telling you not to prepare for the future. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have means. I'm telling you that when you try to pay yourself and do it all on your own, you're not going to be as blessed as you would be if you did it God's way. And when you do it God's way, oh hallelujah, then you have more than enough. I had, a, I had somebody tell me concerning a, a, a man of God who, a great preacher of the gospel who, when he passed away, had considerable means. And, and the, the man speaking of him, said to me, he said, do you, can you imagine how much he would have had if he hadn't have given so much to missions all those years? I said, you missed the point. That's how he had what he had. Because the more you give to Jesus, the more he'll give to you. Oh, hallelujah. And so there's this mentality of, okay, all right. So I have to, I owe me. I've earned this. I've worked hard. I earned this. So I owe me. Uh, and, and there is this mentality uh, that, that kind of exists. We, we work hard and, uh, and, we, and God blesses us for our labor. But it's, but, but, but it's nowhere near the comparison to the blessing that comes from our faith in God. You know... Uh, we all work hard, and we need to work hard. And the, the Bible gives tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, uh, testimony to the noble principle of working hard. Uh, and, and be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Absolutely. But, but don't mistake the fact that God is the one who blesses. One plants, another waters, but God giveth the increase 
Hallelujah. What a blessing. That's not, you know, that's not, that's not some kind of a, a thought of, uh, to, in, in order to discourage as to think that, that, oh, well, it's not in your hands. What a blessing to be able to know it doesn't matter what the stock market's doing. Because when I put my faith in God and I resist greed, which is to owe me and pay me and take care of me and me, myself, and I, and numero uno, and, and, and I'm going to take care of number one. You know who number one is? Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. When you take care of his business, he'll take care of you. Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He will take good care of you. In fact, I'm telling you what, God is eager, eager, eager to wrap his arms of blessing around his people who trust in his name. He can't wait to show himself powerful and glorified in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to the name of God. This man in the parable of Luke 12, not only did he not trust God with his finances, but trusted in his own strength and said, I know what I'll do. I will, I will build greater barns for myself, and I'll hoard this to myself, and I'll not look out upon the needs of others so that my soul can take my ease, and I can eat, drink, be merry, everything be good. And the Lord interrupts his life and says, you're a fool. That kind of thinking is foolish. Now, now we don't call people fools, but God can. And he did. Thou fool, he said, you, you, you had no thought for the fact that I am the one who is the giver of life, the blesser of life. So tonight your soul is required of you and those many years you expected to have. I mean, this guy no sooner signed the dotted line on those bigger barns and God said, your, 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 your soul is required of you right now. Listen, we trust God with every breath and with every dollar. Hallelujah. And with every moment we have on this earth. He could take all of us tonight and leave a small remnant to take First Apostolic Church into the next level. I don't think that's his plan, but he can do whatever he'd like to do. We might be shouting on the hills of glory just in a few days, but... But God can do what he would like to do, and we trust in him. And this is why when we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Uh, I, I am amazed at how often the Lord is so specific, specific about needs that he's going to meet. I'm talking about, I've seen, I've seen the Lord give dollar amounts. I've seen the Lord, I've seen people pray and have a particular figure in mind and the Lord would step in, speak to them and adjust it. Nope, we're going we're gonna to do this instead. And they respond to what the Lord is leading them to do. I'm telling you, when you listen to the direction of God and you follow after God's leading, He will pour out upon you blessings that you cannot contain. You know, God talks a lot about that. Blessings you cannot contain. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give into your bosom. In other words, God will move upon the heart of men with means, and they will, they will come to you and say, I don't even know why. But the Lord is leading me to do thus and thus. You know why, because you've been trusting in the Lord. I remember, and I, I like to share this because I think it's important for us to remember our history uh, concerning what God has done. You know, God has done so many miracles at First Apostolic Church throughout its history and, and even in the last few years. And, and I, sometimes I'm convicted, I don't know that we celebrate them Enough, because it's so important to remember what the Lord has done. Uh, but I remember when we were on Montgomery Road 
and, uh, and we were trying to find property, and we didn't want to get too far from Kenwood, wanted to stay in the I-71 corridor uh, without moving too far from where we had, have been for 30 plus years. And I remember uh, we put the church on the market, and we were going to take our time and look for a new building, and the church sold. And we're like, oh, wait, what? Hold up. Oh, wait, hold up. That wasn't supposed to happen. And, and we, proceeded to, uh, we proceeded to look for a new property. We had 12 months. Many of you remember this vividly. We had 12 months to get out. And our good friends who were moving in were very kindly reminding us that you have just a few more months to get out. And so I, I went to an uh, installation of a pastor in northeast Ohio and Pastor Paul Pamer in Barberton, Ohio. And when I did, a preacher from Florida stopped me and said, how are things going? I'm going great. said, how is it search for a new uh, building? I said, well, we we're, haven't quite found what we're looking for. And he said, uh, have you sold your current building? And we said, yes. He said, oh. He said, so what's the deal? I said, well, we've got nine months to get out. He said, well, then what are you doing? He said, you know, this could go south real fast. I said, uh, pardon me, I'm going to go on a 45-day fast if you don't mind. <laughs> Good gracious, I didn't have enough pressure already. So I, I went home, I drove home bleeding the blood and calling on the Lord to send angels. And if he could show up with Moses and Elijah on either side, that'd be fine too. And we could just have a quick just chat about what we're going to do. And, and my wife said, you know, you need to really pray. You need to pray and give this to God. Because if you don't, it's just going to wear on your nerves. And so I was losing sleep. And I said, you know, you're right. I began to pray, really give it to God. Not just worry about it in prayer, but give it to God in prayer. And I'll never forget what the Lord gave to me. He simply said, consider the lilies. How they toil not. Neither do they spin. Hallelujah. And Solomon in all of his glory. And Solomon's glory was the building of the temple. And you know, folks, we got a temple to build. But the Lord said, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. If God then so clothed the grass of the field, which is today in the field, and tomorrow cast into the oven, how much more shall he clothe you? He said, take no thought for the morrow. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. Don't worry about where your food is going to come from. And then this, this is what the scripture says. For the Father knoweth that you have need of these things. And then he gave me direction for First Apostolic Church. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Ah, hallelujah. It was a word from the Lord. I slept good. I stepped up to the pulpit. I said, I have a word from the Lord. We're going we're gonna to do what God called us to do. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to baptize folks. We're going to pray folks through. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to reach out to people. We're going to City Gospel Mission. We're going we're gonna to teach home Bible studies. We're going to do everything we can and let God do what God does. So let God do what God does. And it wasn't but just a couple months. You know, this building wasn't for sale. This building was not for sale. We had to track them down and say, hey, we'd like to buy your building, and we have to have it within like four months. And it happened because God comes through. That building wasn't for sale. Glory to God. And the Lord has blessed us now with 11 acres overlooking I-71 and Ronald Reagan Highway because he wants people in Cincinnati, Ohio to have a lighthouse in this city. Driving up I-71, up and down I-71, across Ronald Reagan Highway. He wants them to look up and see what the Lord has done. There is a place in this city where the saints of God gather to pray, to worship, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. To heal the brokenhearted. 
Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so many of you sacrificially gave unto the cause of God. And you have seen, you have seen, you've seen the enemy attack you for it. You've seen the enemy come in like a flood. And you've seen the Lord raise up a standard against the enemy. Hallelujah. You've seen the Lord come through for you. Hallelujah. And I want you to know if he hasn't already done it, he's about to. Don't lose faith. And don't lose hope. And don't lose heart in the name of Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. There's something about resisting greed. So the way that you cure greed in your own heart. Because greed is, greed is a hard thing to, to combat sometimes. Because as I said, it's so sneaky. It's so subtle. It hides behind the nobility of, of living off of what I've earned. I earned this. I owe me. Because I did this work, so I owe me. Instead of releasing that greed, letting that greed go, and saying that the Lord has blessed me to do what I do. And it has, it has proven fruitful. And so I'm going to let the Lord bless me with the fruit of my labor. And I'm not going to be stingy with what God has given me. I'm going to bless others with what the Lord has given me. And folks, I'm telling you, you reach right into the treasure house of heaven. And you will never want. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Woo. My God have mercy. I'm going to tell you. If the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. My God. My God. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I can know for a matter of fact, if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was old. No, I was young. <laughs> now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've seen the righteous struggle. I've seen the righteous suffer. I've even seen the righteous stumble. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. God will put his hand on you. He'll put his hand on your children. And he'll make you lie down in green pastures. Hallelujah. He'll lead you beside still waters. And if you ever have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you'll fear no evil, for he is there. His rod and his staff will comfort you. My God. You know, I, I have to share this. I cannot tell you how many times the Lord has assured me as, as that, old, that old enemy of, of my own mind, fear, will try to creep up and creep in and try to tell me that there's something to be afraid of and try to tell me that there's something precarious around the corner. And, you know, so, you know everybody fears death in their flesh. I can't tell you how many times the Lord has assured me you will not be afraid. When that day comes, when that time comes, I will be there. Ah, Lord. You know, you just have all these terrible imaginations of what could happen. How am I going to go? Oh, dear God. Man, I don't want it to happen like this, not like that. Certainly not like this. My goodness. And God, God has assured me so many times, don't even worry. Ooh, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And when it's, when it's your time to go, if you go before the sounding of the trumpet, you can rest assured that the Lord is going to rush to your side. Take your hand and walk you through. 
You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be terrified. You don't have to be scared. And he'll take care of what you can't take care of. And he'll look after what you can't look after. Because he's your shepherd. You shall not want. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Fear generates greed. Fear of poverty. Fear of want. Fear of loss. Fear of lack. These fears generate greed, which is an enemy to our heart, and cause us to become of a I owe me mentality. But when we allow our minds to dwell upon the perfect love of God again and reminded, be reminded of the fact that he has us in the palm of his hand, it's going to be all right. You don't have to be afraid. I've got you. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, you got to trust him, though. You really have to trust him. You can't just know him. You have to trust him. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who know him but don't want to trust him. I'm about to close, but I want to share with you. Several years ago as a young preacher, I went through this period of life where I was just uncertain uh, about my own uh, future you know I all you know all I've ever done is preach uh, that's what I do that's what God called me to do and that's what I do is preach and I and I I gotta tell you there's so there have been times where I thought well Lord don't you want me to do anything else I mean I, I I'd like to try my hand at this and try my hand at that and do this and the Lord just just this is what he has designed for me and I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. But there was a period in my life where I struggled just a little bit with that. And I began to have ideas of launching out into this and launching out into that. And maybe, you know, I'll still preach. I'll still preach. I'll just do all this other stuff too. And, 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 I, and, and I didn't know it, but the devil was trying to set a little snare for me to, to get me distracted and off track and into more of what I can provide for myself. And, and I remember talking this way and thinking this way, and I want to give honor to Brother Enos tonight, my father-in-law. I had a conversation with him about this. I had read a book, and, and you got to be careful, listen, ladies and gentlemen, when you read books that, there's nothing wrong with reading books. You should be well-read. Don't misunderstand me. But when you're reading books... Make sure you are also reading the Word of God. Make sure. And I'll tell you why. Because while you need to see other people's perspective and while people have good experiences, and, and you need to be careful what you read. You need to read good, godly, principled stuff. Don't misunderstand me. But, but while you're reading people's perspectives and when you're reading people's principles and what they've learned and what they've experienced, it must be challenged by the Word of God. And it must be balanced by the Word of God. And it must be checked by the Word of God. And so this way you can, that's how you literally can read somebody's perspective and have a, a, actually a purified view of their perspective and, and not be misled by somebody's perspective. And this particular book that I read, was a, it was a, a good book. I actually am glad that I read it. But I, in hindsight, I can see where I... I had to make sure that I was really paying attention to what the Lord would have me to understand from it. The book actually rightly predicted the recession of 2008. It rightly predicted it. Saw it coming, called it out. And while you're reading a book like that, you think, oh man, what do I do? What am I going to do? I got to make sure I got all my ducks in a row. And, and, uh, and so I started, I started building plans. They said, well, this is what you need to do. You need to do this, 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 that, 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 that. I thought, I'm not doing any of this stuff. So I got to get my stuff together. And so I started to, 
I started to get kind of started to get kind of dependent on myself a little bit. I started thinking of what I could do. What I and, and, and there's nothing wrong with letting the Lord lead you, but don't let your flesh lead you. And I remember I started fretting and, and started to think, well, maybe I should, maybe I should do this. And it, and and I'll never forget it's over well over a decade ago. My father-in-law spoke up while I'm talking about all my big plans. And I said, well, I'm going to do this thing so that I can make sure I've got a good, solid foundation. He said, the Lord is your foundation. That was it. It was so penetrating, a word from God. And it struck right through that that little sandcastle I was starting to build. Amen. Don't build your house on the sand, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody come knock it over. Amen. And Brother Enos came over with a, uh, with a, a, a shovel and just said, no, 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 no. The Lord is your foundation. You build your house on the rock. Build your house on the rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad I listened because over a decade later, I can tell you that it was the Lord who kept me. It was the Lord who secured me. It was the Lord who looked after me. Glory to God. And if you put your trust in the Lord, he'll look after you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And he'll look after your family. He'll look after your children. He'll look after your grandchildren. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Hallelujah. If you believe it, could you give him praise right now? If you believe it, could you testify right now? Come on, somebody. Somebody say he kept me. He watched over me. He looked after me. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now and give him the praise in Jesus' name. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. My God is a good God. My God is a good God. How many are going to trust him with their finances? How many are going to trust him with their health? How many are going to trust them with their mind? How many are going to trust them with their children? How many are going to trust him with their, with, their, with their spirit man? How many are going to trust him, hallelujah, with their marriage? How many are going to trust him with their life? Glory to God. Don't be afraid. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Thank you, Jesus. The cure for greed, the I owe me mentality is generosity. Generosity. Give. 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 Give unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord. If you're not already tithing, you need to start tithing. Whatever your financial challenge is, let's start right there. 10% belongeth unto the Lord. The first fruits belong to God. And then I'm telling you, give. Give above and beyond. And the Lord, hallelujah. Do you know the Bible says that the Lord will rebuke the devourer? That's what the Bible says. The Lord will rebuke the devourer. The devourer, you know, the locust and the canker worm and the palmer worm. Hallelujah. And all of the, all of the influences of this day. We're not wringing our hands. We're not wiping sweat from our brow. We're not terrified. We're not, we're not up and down with the fluctuation of everything. I'm telling you, folks, if you'll trust in the Lord and put your faith in God, you'll stand with the whole world falling around you. It's simply a principle of heaven. And His Word stands. Oh, I feel the presence of my God. So I, I'm going to lift my hands and praise Him right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. 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 
Oh, I love you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, everybody, just lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. Come on, lift up your praises unto the Lord right now. Woo! Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Woo, ha, Come on, that's it, saint of God. Go ahead and give him praise right now. Hallelujah. Yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord. Woo, yeah, Lord. Mighty God. Come on, somebody, if you feel it in the Holy Ghost, why don't you just step out of your seat and give God some praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, if somebody's got a need right now, I want you to lift it up to the Lord God of heaven. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory. Glory, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Come on, that's it. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. I said he shall strengthen thine heart. He shall strengthen thine heart. Hallelujah. How he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord. How he picked me up and turned me around. How he placed my feet, yes, on solid ground. Oh, it makes me want to shout. And hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy worthy. of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. All of the praise, yes. It makes me want to shout. Makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I feel victory in this house. There's victory in this house. There's a delivering power of God in this place right now. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Fear you have no hold in the name of Jesus. For the Lord is glorified. For the Lord is glorified. For the Lord is glorified. All the praise. Yes. Because when I think about the when Lord. When I think about the Lord. How he saved me. How he saved How he raised me. How he filled me with the Holy Ghost. How he healed me to the uttermost. And when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. Oh, it makes me want to shout. Yeah, hallelujah. Thank Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. All the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Oh, it makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. Worthy, worthy. All the honor and all the praise. Yes, it makes me want to shout. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Well, oh, it makes me want to shout. <laughs> Hallelujah. My God. My God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Yes, because when I think. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How he raised 
On solid ground, solid makes ground. me, it makes me wanna shout. Oh, hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Oh, it makes me wanna shout. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Thank Jesus. you, Jesus. You're worthy. <laughs> Come on, that's it. Let the power of God, let the power of God flow. Let the power of the Lord flow. Yes, Lord. want shout. And hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. All of the praise, all of the praise, all of the praise, yes. Makes me want to shout. Makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you You were there. Glory and all the honor. All of the honor. And all the praise. All of the praise. Makes me want to shout. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you were there. Of all the glory, 